0: would happen in our lives if that was our daily prayer, that there would be less of us and more of Him? When's the last time you asked Him for more of His presence in your life? When's the last time you beseeched Him for more of Him? And I can tell you, if you're anything like me, I I tend to get in front of my prayers, in front of my life. I tend to put myself plopped right in the center of my life at times, and it's hard for me to ask more of Him when I'm looking at me, uh, a lot of the time, uh, but today we're we're going to talk uh, about making less of us so we can make more room more room for Him. We are starting a new series today, uh, a series called Refined, and it, it uh, was intentionally placed after our You Are series, as we talked about God and who He who He is, which He's a waymaker, a promise keeper a miracle worker, right? He's a a light in the darkness. And Pastor Ronnie tied a bow on that for us uh, uh, last week in talking about how he's my God. He's my God. And one of the most important points uh, or one of the important points from last week was in order for him to be my God, uh, I've got to be a participant. I've got to be a participant in that. And I believe that part of that participation Uh, in that is allowing him the ability and the opportunity to come in and remove from me the things that don't need to be there. To come into my life, I I allow him and I open up my heart to come in and and remove the things that uh, are are unwanted, the things that are are impure. And, and, And by definition, that's what refined means. Refined means removing the impure things, removing the impurities uh, uh, from from a certain something. If you look at a, a bar of gold, I'm sure I, I don't think anybody in here is probably wearing anything that's 24 karat gold, which would be its gold in its purest form. But many of us have articles of jewelry that have some gold components to it, and uh, and what happens is that gold is alloyed to to some other metal to to make it in a condition that we can we can wear, and. Um, and what a refiner will do to, to find out the, the value of the gold is he will refine it, which means that he will take the gold and he will melt it to the point where everything that's been alloyed or attached to it will break away, and the pure gold will remain after going through the refining, refining process. Um, I believe that God wants to take us through a refining process. I believe that God, as we've, as we've made as we've made declarations of who He is and who He is over our lives, our participation in that process is for God to look into our lives and, and to be able to identify those things that maybe even some of us don't even know who, that are really there, and allow those impurities to rise to the surface so that they can be wiped away so what remains is all of what He has placed inside, not the things that we've placed inside. And so I believe that many of you, uh, many of us, many of us in this room, many of you at home uh, have asked Jesus to, to be in your life uh, as a prayer of salvation. Many of us have prayed the, the salvation prayer that basically says, Jesus, I believe that you lived on this earth. I believe that you lived an impeccable, perfect life. I believe that you died on a cross innocently, God, but you died, Jesus, you died for me. And three days later, you rose again. And I believe that. The Bible says, if we declare with our mouth that he is Lord. And if we believe in our heart that God raised him from the dead, then we will be saved. And many of us in this room, we've made that, we've made that, uh, that declaration and we believe that in our, in our heart. But what I find so too, uh, so, so often is that many of us will carry the free gift of salvation, the gift that Jesus paid. We'll carry that in, in one hand and we'll carry our life in the other hand and we'll drag our life right through hell. We'll be possessors of the gift, but we'll drag our life right through through hell. God has so much more for us than that. For those of us who choose to go there. The Bible tells us, he who the Son sets free is free indeed. And I believe, and I believe that he wants to set us free from returning to those shackles of sin in our lives. The salvation that he has given us gives us access. It's an invitation to live a life that will blow your mind. Salvation is an invitation for you to live something other than what you were living prior to salvation. And so I believe that the refining process will separate those will separate those who are wanting to walk with and follow Jesus from those who want to show up on Sunday and play church. The refining process will draw a line and separate those who really mean what they say when they say, Jesus, you're my Lord. And I believe that if we will grab a hold of this, we will begin to have the capacity to see God do the supernatural among us. He'll start doing things that will absolutely blow our minds because as we let go of ourselves, we allow room for him to fill and to come in his fullness. Don't you want to see God move in that way? Don't you want to see God move in that way in your lives? I'm not just talking about on Sunday morning, I'm talking about in our everyday lives. So today, we start with probably, I believe, one of the hardest things, and that is addressing us ourselves. Less of me, God, more of you. Less of me, God, and more of you. And so we're gonna look at a passage of scripture from John chapter, John chapter three. Many of you are familiar with John three sixteen, which is for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes on him will have everlasting life. Well, Well, guess what? There's more to that chapter. And it continues on. And we're going to learn today about, we're going to look at a scripture today where John has been commissioned with the awesome responsibility of paving the way for Jesus to come and begin his ministry and how he was encountered both an opportunity to take people's eyes off of Jesus and put it on him, but he responds in a certain way. And we're going to read that today. Would you stand with me? Let's read from John chapter three. This is the verdict. An argument developed between some of John's disciples and a certain Jew over the matter of ceremonial washing. They came to John and said to him, Rabbi, that man who was with you on the other side of the Jordan, the one you testified about, look, he is baptizing and everyone is going to him. To this, John replied, A person can receive only what is given them from above. You yourselves can testify that I said, I am not the Messiah, but am sent ahead of him. The bride belongs to the bridegroom. The friend who attends the bridegroom waits and listens for him and is full of joy when he hears the bridegroom's voice. That joy is mine and it is now complete. He must become greater, I must become less. And one scripture from the book of James, humble yourselves before the Lord... And he will lift you up. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you that your word is explosive with truth, God. And today I ask, God, that our hearts would be married to your word, Father, and that it would change us from the inside out, God. I pray that walls would be destroyed and demolished, Father, God, and that every distraction be removed, Father, and that you would pierce our hearts today and change us for eternity. Lord, let everything that comes out of my mouth that's not of you be forgotten, washed away. But Lord, everything that's of you, let it remain and stick and let us walk out of here changed, changed, changed in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Amen. Uh, Over the last decade or so, I have had the awesome privilege to officiate several several weddings actually uh, my the number of weddings I've done in Pells Way in comparison to the number of weddings that Pastor Ronnie has done uh, but I've done I've done several weddings over the, the last decade and I've I've come to to look at some similarities that happen uh, when I officiate in weddings and watching the dynamic of family interaction and uh, the preparation or lack thereof and the uh, in the process of, of getting a, a wedding a wedding together and uh, what I've come to realize is the wedding day is is pretty it's pretty good. Most of the time the wedding day is is uh pretty awesome and and things tend to click right along and that's enjoyable. Uh what I kind of loathe is the wedding rehearsal. Uh, the wedding the the wedding rehearsal uh is just something other than the wedding day and uh and and I I've gone in there and I think 9 times out of 10 I've I've left and I hope I'm not targeting this to anybody, but I've left a bit more frustrated than excited about the next day, but everything seems to work out. But boy, there is, a, there is some tension sometimes in that wedding rehearsal. There's f- laden with frustration. There's all types of things. And I've come to realize that really there's two main things that, that happen that, that cause the, the rehearsal of a wedding not to be as uh, enjoyable as the wedding day. The, the first of that, uh, those re- uh, reasons is, is sometimes I go into wedding rehearsals and nobody's in charge. No. nobody's in charge, and so that breeds frustration because everybody's trying to to be be in charge and and the second reason is if somebody's in charge, they're more concerned about making everybody in the family happy than actually getting the show on the road. Yeah. and so i have uh, I have Resolve that if you come to me and ask me to officiate your wedding, which I would be so honored to do, I have one condition. I'm going to run the rehearsal. (laughs) And the reason I'm going to run the rehearsal is because I have no problem looking at people in your family and saying, it's not about you. (laughs) It's not about you. How many times in our life do we take special moments and we make it about us and it ends up being a mess? So much in our life we make about ourselves and it's not really about us. Rick Warren in the year 2002 wrote a book called The Purpose Driven Life. 12 million copies of this book have been sold. 12 million copies of this book have been sold and it starts with those four words, it's not about you. He goes on to say, the purpose of your life is far greater than your own personal fulfillment, your peace of mind, or even your happiness. I may have been chasing happiness. It's far greater than your family, your career, or even your wildest dreams and ambitions. If you wanna know why you were placed on this planet, you must begin with God. You were born by his purpose, And for his purpose. The search for purpose of life has puzzled people for thousands of years. That's because we typically begin at the wrong starting point, ourselves. We ask self-centered questions like, what do I want to be? What should I do with my life? What are my goals? What are my ambitions, my dreams, my future? But focusing on ourselves will never reveal our life's purpose. The Bible says it is God who directs the lives of his creatures. Everyone's life is in his power. We often start at the wrong place with ourselves. And I believe that we are commissioned as believers to get ourselves out of the way so God can actually do things in our lives. One of you, youth want this book? Come get it, Maddie, quickly. Will you read it? Yes, I hope so. <laughs> it's, not, it's not about you. So many of us are looking for our purpose. And some of us will say that I'm looking for God's will for my life. And we're not content with what's going on in our life. We're not content with where we are because we feel like we've got to be doing something. We feel like we've got to be matching up or lining up with what everybody else is doing. There's a comparing and a contrasting because we are plopped right in the middle. But here's the thing. Finding God's will for your life should be more about His will than your life. Finding God's purpose for your life should be far more about what He wants and He desires than your life. Oftentimes, my motivation for finding God's will has been my lack of faith and and feeling as if he needs help. God doesn't need my help to fulfill the plans he has for my life. He just needs me to be available. He just needs me to be available. And he needs me to get myself out of the way. Anything successful I've done, anything successful I've done, it has literally been laid out in front of me and I've walked right into it. Everything that I've tried to make happen has failed miserably. Everything I've tried to make happen has failed miserably. So if you're here this morning and you're and maybe questioning, God, I just want to know what God's purpose, I'm, I'm confused. What is God's will for my life? Let me give you two places in Scripture to start that, that might help you understand what God's purpose in your life is. The first comes from Romans chapter 12, verse 2. It says this, do not be conformed to the pattern of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Boy, that sounds like refinement, doesn't it? Separate yourself from the pattern of this world. Separate yourself from what you thought in your mind was supposed to be, right? Renewing of your mind. And it says, then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good and perfect, pleasing will. The next verse I would give to you would come from Matthew chapter 22, verse 37, which says this, love the Lord God with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Then love others as yourself. Do not be conformed to the world and its patterns and love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, and mind. If you will start with those two things, man, I can almost guarantee you're gonna walk right into his purpose. You're gonna walk right into his will. God has so much for us. You cannot do those two things that I just mentioned and be focused on yourself. Those two things require you to lay yourself down and look at him. So we are called to grow. No matter what it is that we're called to We are called to grow. And guys, growth hurts sometimes. Growth doesn't feel good all of the time. And some of us are stunted in our growth because we're not getting the right nutrition. Some of us are stunted in everything that we can grow into, reaching our full maturity and potential because the nutrition that we're taking in is, it's trash, it's junk. The world does not have the right dietary need for somebody trying to grow up in the kingdom. Growth always requires us to step into the light. Whoever lives by the truth comes into the light. Why don't we go? Why don't we step into the light? We don't step into the light for fear of exposure. We don't step into the light because when we step into the light, we start to see things that we don't like. Sometimes we are so content in darkness because we're so comfortable with what's going on and we don't want to have to fool with or address those things. You know what those things are, yeah? That if we stepped in the light, would come to the surface. But guys, everything worth growing is exposed to light. Only sin grows in darkness. Only sin grows in darkness. What's holding you back from the light? One of the first things that will be illuminated when you make the decision to step in the light is how much more of you there is than him. And then you'll have the opportunity to begin to step back. And as you decrease, he will increase. If you've known me for any length of time, you know that I am a lover of macaroni and cheese. (laughs) And I believe sincerely that the Holy Spirit has given Arwen Jones the recipe that will be at the feast house of the Lord. <laughs> the supper table of the, praise Jesus. <laughs> I love macaroni and cheese. There was an experience I had, and it was about a decade ago, where Pastor Ronnie had, uh, had a newcomer's meeting in the fellowship hall after after service. And um, and he had asked all the staff to be there so that we could interact and meet new families and new people who were at the church. And and so uh, uh, on that particular morning, I made my way down into the fellowship hall, and there were a number of people there, and I was excited to get to meet some of the new people uh, that had been to, starting to come to the church. And so I walk in, and I strike up a conversation with this couple, and, uh, and I tend to I, t- I, I was positioned in such a way where I was facing the couple, but I also in sight had the food uh, buffet, you know, the, the bar being set up. And we had some ladies in the church who were cooking and preparing the meal. And, um, and I could be wrong, but I'm pretty positive it was Jeannie Gibson who was back there. And she pulls out of this oven this casserole dish of the most delicious-looking macaroni and cheese. And she set that thing down on that counter. And I'm telling you, I, that couple that was talking to me, it was, because when my eye went to that macaroni and cheese, everything in me said, oh, I know why I'm here. I've been called to this moment. <laughs> And so I'm, um, I know that they were probably downloading, this is, hey, I'm, I'm stepping out into the light, people, okay? All right? I know they were giving me lots of important information. I didn't hear any of it. And when I got, when there was a lull in the conversation, I said, it's great to meet you. And I stepped over and got right in line, right in the front of the line, too. I mean, just about three or four people. And I was so excited. I had my eye on that macaroni and cheese. I was so excited. And I took that plate and I was going to go down the line. And I look up and flanking the corner and coming down into the fellowship hall was Bruce Koble. <laughs> if you know Bruce Koble, at any potluck event, Bruce Koble is going to be the last in line. And I was in somewhat of a discipleship relationship with Bruce Koble at the time. And so I was plagued with the choice, my love for macaroni and cheese, or the fear that I had of what Bruce was going to think about me being in front of the line. <laughs> so quickly, without any type of hesitation, I threw my plate down and I walked back and I got to the end of the line. I'm keeping a close eye on Bruce because he's going to be excited that I've made this decision. And so I step in the back of the line, and here I am waiting uh, my turn and uh, also keeping one eye on that casserole dish of macaroni and cheese. Well, Bruce comes in, and he starts talking to uh, a new couple that's in the front of the line and has a conversation, and, and I'm just there patiently waiting, not paying any attention to the fact that I had new people right in front of me I could be talking to. My eye was on Bruce. My eye was on the macaroni and cheese. That was the only mission I had in my mind. And all of a sudden, the couple that Bruce is talking to invite Bruce to join them at the front of the line. And Bruce accepts the invitation. And I was like, what is going on? Bruce Koble can't get in front of the line? Have you lost your mind? And so I started to go into panic mode. Because now I'm back here, I have sacrificed my position so that Bruce Koble could be up there, and I'm watching this line go by, and so they're continuing to go by, and I know that I had to, at least in my spiritual posture, if it wasn't my physical posture, I was like this watching everything that was going on, or I was something like this, because I was not happy. And would you know that the last scoop of macaroni and cheese went to Bruce Koble? I was ticked. I, I'm telling you, I'm not kidding. I could have left. I was so upset. I, I'm, and I literally remember this experience. And so I'm walking through the line or what, I'm walking up to the line and I grab my plate and the ladies are just so kind and so on. Oh, here's some chicken. I don't want your chicken. Here's some, here's some p- potato salad. I don't want your potato salad. Now, of course, that's what I'm saying on the inside. Of course, on the outside, I'm like, oh, thank you so much. That's so great. Oh, I appreciate you serving. You know, and I just really, I I had a sour attitude on the inside as I was smiling on the outside because I was genuinely upset I wasn't getting any macaroni cheese, okay? I walked down the line, and this is why I think it was Jeannie Gibson who was back there, but Jeannie says, hey, Kevin, hold on one second, and she turns around, and out of the oven, she pulls a brand new casserole dish of macaroni cheese and sets it down. My heart went, and the Holy Spirit said to me, eat up, big boy. Seriously. And they plated me just gobs of macaroni and cheese, and I sat down. It was the worst plate of macaroni and cheese I've ever eaten. Not because it didn't taste good, but because of what I sacrificed to get it. Because of my sour attitude and my approach to it. Here's the thing. Self-centeredness will always taint your experience. Self-centeredness will always make the experience less enjoyable than what it's intended to be. Had I not focused on Kevin, and I think to myself, what was my purpose of being in the room in the first place? What opportunities did I miss out on connecting with some incredible people? Because I was worried and focused on what I wanted. How many times, how many times do we put ourselves in the forefront? If you will get out of the way, God will do supernatural things that you can't explain. It starts with dying to yourself. Paul writes to the Galatians. He says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. This is how we ought to live our lives as well. We are actually called to die to ourselves the me that's inside me is not the me that God wanted me to be. The me inside me is not the me that God intended me to be. And so I've got to die to myself to allow room for God. So how I live, what I say, what I do, everything about my life should be as if Christ is doing those things. As if Christ is doing those things. How many can say that about your Facebook post? How many can say that about the conversation that you're having behind the scenes with other people? Is Christ centered on that or are you centered in on that? If you allow Christ to be in the center of your life, he will supernaturally change things. So how? If you're, if you're a little bit slow like me on the upbeat, I need a barometer. I need a measurement tool on, God, Lord, am, how, am, am, I, am I being less? Are you being more? Paul also gives us in Galatians a list of the barometer of the measurement. The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You can't be focused. You can't be focused on love and have yourself at the center. You can't experience joy if you're at the center. Have you ever tried to be patient with somebody when you're thinking about yourself? It's it's virtually impossible. So if you want a barometer, a measurement on how you're doing, this is the litmus test right here. Are these evident in your life? Because only the Spirit can give birth to these things. And so our... Our job, our our goal in life is to set the stage for a move of God. I was in the show called Pride and Prejudice in 2009 here at Springhouse Theater. And there's a scene, and we played it right over there, uh, a stage right. There's a scene where uh, Darcy and Elizabeth are having an interchange, and Binkley, the way the blocking was, Binkley was in the middle of this conversation very awkwardly. And there comes a point there that there's a lull in their conversation, and the director had Binkley, the character I played, step back and walk away from the awkward conversation. So on the first night, uh, opening night of the show, I did that move. I stepped back, and it had an uproar of laughter. And I thought, whoa, this is cool, okay. So the second night, I built it up more. I stepped back real big, and everyone laughed at the mannerism and how I was moving. It was great. And so the third night, I made it bigger, and boy, I just, I I felt like I took the house down with it. And the director came to me after the third show, and he said, I need you to tone that down. And I thought to myself, tone that down? That's the highlight of the show. (laughs) What are you talking about? That's, that's the, that's the moment of laughter in the show. Everybody's, everybody's laughing. You want me to tone that down? So the fourth night came. I didn't tone it down. I toned it up. Laughter. Director came to me that night. He wasn't as nice as the first night. The director saw things that I wasn't able to see. Because with what I was doing, I was taking away the significance of the moment because I was making the moment about me. The director is always going to see more about the show than the actor can see. God is always going to see more about your life than you're going to see. I wonder how many times we miss the significance of the moment because we're too focused on ourselves to see it. Here's the deal. God is not interested in sharing the stage. He is the main event. He is the main attraction. I have such an appreciation for those who work behind the scenes and putting on a show. There are people who move props. There are people who do lights and sound. There are people who are handing out programs, who are doing costumes. I remember Margaret working endlessly, endlessly, endlessly on costumes uh, for the shows that we did here at Springhouse. Such an appreciation because without those key personnel, without those key places, the show doesn't happen. Those are key positions in the show. And, and I just want to submit to you and wonder what it would be if we would have the posture that said to God, Lord, if, if I could just be the one who mops the stage after you're done with what you want to do. God, if I could just be the one who cleans the toilets, if I, just, if I could just be the one to hand a program, if I could just be the one who turned on the lights to, to make it possible for you to be seen. If I could just be a small participant in your show, God, and in making you famous and putting the spotlight on you, God, I would be content just to be a small point. Because here's the thing. When we point people to him, when he is given the glory, then we assuredly would be able to partake in his blessing. Because he is faithful to bless those who point others to him. He is faithful to bless those who point others to him. John had the opportunity, he had the opportunity to say, wait a second, why is, wait a minute, Jesus is, I should be the one baptizing those people. Why are they they going to Jesus? But no, he had the correct response. Because you see, a person can receive only what is given them from above. He must become greater. I must become less. Come on out, worship team. If you are truly going to walk with Jesus, you're going to have to give up more than you've got. But you're going to gain more than you ever had. Right. This series is refined. And our series, uh, our series, while it may not be the most exciting, invigorating series that we have, our series is not about emphasizing your sin. No, it's about emphasizing what can happen in your life apart from your sin. Jesus has so much for us. Jesus said, I have come to give you abundant life. And guys, we shortchange ourselves from that abundant life when we magnify ourselves more than we magnify him. This is a series for growth. This is a time for growth. This is a time for real heart change. And this is what lays the foundation for seeing him as way maker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, and for ultimately him becoming our God. Are you ready to grow? Are you willing to grow? You'll be amazed at the grace God has for you if you'll just take the initial step of stepping out into the light. You'll be amazed at how much freedom you can experience when you just let go and become less and allow him to increase.